Hello and welcome to The Dish, a connectivity business news podcast. My name is Madeline Durrett, Senior Associate Editor at Connectivity Business News, and today we're speaking with Tuvia Barlev, CEO at Actelis Networks, to discuss Actelis' year since going public and new IoT deal in Europe. Tuvia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you for having me. So, Actelis just went public on NASDAQ a little over a year ago. Why did you make that decision to go public? So, we were um, expanding our work, uh, pivoting from previously being uh, a company that was servicing mostly uh, network uh, telecom providers into um, a much more exciting space for us, which is everything smart, smart cities, smart rails, smart roads, uh, um, energy companies, and so on. Uh, this is a market that is growing really fast, uh, expected to be uh, over a trillion dollars uh, market uh, before uh, 2028. Uh, we have a unique solution that is uh, currently deployed by many applications um, and across more than 20 countries. And we needed the capital to grow and to expand, uh, especially on sales and marketing and have a footprint that can actually carry through our offerings into that uh, vast uh, and growing market. Thank you. And what has been the biggest challenge during the process of going public? Well, going public is not an easy process, especially at NASA, because, you know, and, and we were not, we are still not a huge company. So for resources, it's been a, it's been a drain on our resources until we went public. Uh, and then we raised um, a nice amount of money that is helping us. And uh, we've used that to invest uh, in, in enhancing our business through the process, through the, that year plus that we have been public. Of course, it's the, it's the burden of being public. So uh, all the legal stuff, the the work we have to do uh, to keep ourselves um, up to speed with uh, the in, uh, the market, uh, the regulation, and so on. Uh, it's nothing new. Everybody has to go through it. So it wasn't special to us. Um, in terms of our size, though, since we're microcap, it's a uh, the burden is proportionally uh, bigger. So uh, we deal with that. That's not a problem. Would you say that it's you you took kind of a risk in switching from terrestrial wireless to you know the smart networks aspect? Um we have uh, taken a calculated risk I, I would say because we had some business in the space. Uh we've already had uh wins with uh you know the federal government in the US with utility companies and energy companies in Europe. Uh, some of our wins uh, include airports uh, globally, roads and highways and, and rail systems. So we knew it's a market that we are successful, we could be successful in. We won against some really large vendors. Uh, and um, uh, it felt like it's a good idea to expand on it. Uh, we already had some, you know, 100 plus cities uh, deploying us in smart city projects. Um we were um, certified by the uh, military, the U.S. military and, and federal government, DOD, uh, as um, a system that is uh, cyber safe and provides value to our um, military, Navy, Air Force, uh, FAA, all those uh, were our customers when we started. 
And it really felt that it's a really, really good market to go after. Which would Again, and what are some of the driving factors in demand for smart cities? Well, smart cities, uh, specifically, um, want to move forward in, uh, in making their operation more uh, efficient and providing better service for citizens and in, uh, in fact, making more money as well. Um, so, for example, if you can uh, uh, take care of traffic in a city, uh, a good example for a city that we uh, are working with is San Jose, which we uh, announced being being uh, selected by San Jose to, to upgrade a city. Um, when you sit in traffic idle and um, are waiting for uh, traffic to change, the, the traffic light to change to, to green so you can move forward, and uh it's 2 a.m. in the morning. There's really no other traffic around there, but the traffic system is not smart enough to know that you're there, to see you, to see what what the balance of, of load uh, sharing on on the junctions is. Um, first of all, it's wasting your time. <laughs> Second, I've been there. <laughs> you've been there, right? We've all been there. So uh the other thing is your engine just keeps going, and this is uh, polluting the air. So... um uh both for efficiency use of of the roads uh as a green going green type of project for a city and uh, as better service for citizens that's uh, all in one just in making that traffic system smart adding uh cameras adding uh machine vision uh, possibly ai that would would look at the situation and decide who uh, how to prioritize traffic uh that is a very very common application we're seeing in many many cities there's a lot more than that. Uh, if you want more examples, I'm happy to hear. I wouldn't mind more examples. It seems like this is a this is a really practical market that impacts things it right is. now. It is. Yeah. Here's another example for for a city. Uh, you have uh, first responders, right? And you have uh, other public transportation, for example, buses and and uh, even uh, garbage trucks. And they want to go through traffic and get some priority over uh, just, you know, uh, the population that, that's uh, jamming the, the junctions. Uh, you want them to be able to go through. So how do you know who they are, where they are, and how does the traffic system respond to prioritizing uh, your more urgent traffic versus non-urgent traffic? Another type of uh, smart smart application you can handle if you have communication with those vehicles if you know where they are, if you can track them, if you can track their proximity to, to traffic uh, lights, for example, and then, and then inter- interaction is important. For example, the system could guide them through places where traffic is not as heavy, or if they reach a traffic uh, a traffic junction uh, where traffic is heavy, to try and prioritize their their um, their um, movement there. For example, stop uh, traffic from other directions while prioritizing your uh, I don't know, ambulance that needs to go through uh, uh, the, the, uh, another way that, that people wait for the, for, the, for the ambulance and not vice versa. So um, that's it, just another example. We have tons of examples from other fields. For example, rail. Um, think of uh, a rail system where uh, you have cameras along the railway and the, the driver can actually tell what's happening miles before he gets there, and then if they need to uh, to have an emergency stop, you know, stopping a train takes some time. So, so they can actually, lives. exactly. So they can they can tell what's going on. Or or there's uh, an application called um, um, 
uh, I forget the name of it. Um, anyway, so it's like a big brother type of application looking at, 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 uh, rail systems as a whole. Um, and then, uh, analyzing, uh, movement of, of, uh, trains and, and the expectation of them to go through safely through, through their, their crossings rather than, uh, colliding. So normally there's no anomalies. Every, everything goes well. Everything's great. What if there is an anomaly? For example, uh, a driver that, um, is not well, you know, uh, fainted and, and something is, uh, doesn't look right. So is there a system that can intervene, like a big brother looking at the whole thing and actually try to do things to, to mitigate the problem? Um, it could be a huge consequences, uh, it could be huge consequences to, to those rail systems not working properly because something's gone wrong in, in a small, in a small component of, of, of a large network. And then, uh, you want to be able to monitor that. And if you're monitoring, maybe you have ways to intervene. Maybe there's a way to control the, the rail, the train itself. Automatically and remotely, um, just to impose uh, whatever uh, measures, just to avoid those things from happening. It's another example. Um, when we look, for example, at um, roads, like large roads systems, for example, we have a project that we want uh, where we're involved in upgrading uh, all the highways in the UK to smart highways. So in this case, we're talking about smart signage. That would alert the drivers to whatever's going to happen possibly and, and give them signals uh, so they can prepare. Um, lanes, lane management is important because sometimes you can direct traffic um, in a way that certain lanes go a certain way and the other lanes go the other way. And based on traffic loads, you can change that. So smart lanes uh, going different directions as needed is part of the smart traffic application. Um, vehicle to vehicle communication. So uh, this is an upcoming application where vehicles can actually tell what they're seeing, what they're experiencing through their video cameras and other sensors and the speed measurements. And other vehicles can enjoy the information. So you know from vehicles that are ahead of you what to, what to expect, and, and, and you, you're kind of ready for that. And um, all that jointly is shared as a picture of traffic throughout the city. So these are just um, uh, city applications. Um, or traffic applications. There's many more. Uh, security systems, for example. Uh, let's talk about airports. So we have applications in airports where systems are uh, connecting um, uh, cameras, but also other sensors for security systems. So you want to know if it's a, I don't know, if it's a cat, a squirrel, <laughs> or, or if it's an armed um, individual coming in. So machine vision is very important. And, and you want to, to be able to run this um, application of, of being a, able to identify people and, and, in fact, what they're carrying or, or what their intentions are. Um, there aren't enough eyes in, in the security people's uh, teams to, to look at all those airports and all those cameras and all those. It, it all multiplies into the millions of millions of cameras. There's about, um, I'd say, 10, maybe more, uh, million new cameras installed every year. Okay, so how many security people are going to be added <laughs> that year to be able to look at them? Yeah. So the need for, for smart applications and the ability to analyze and AI is a great, great uh, uh, piece of news for this market because it can look at things, it can analyze things, it can alert you only when there's a need to alert you rather than having you sit there and look at a camera all night and nothing's happening. So um, 
just just one more application this uh this could be uh security systems in airports could be in uh prison systems and uh, any any compa- industrial compounds that you want to protect uh ports um navy ports there's applications with military really uh everywhere you go uh recently we announced a win with uh one of europe's uh, largest gas companies just about uh, to ask about it <laughs> oh okay do you want to ask Sure. Um, yeah. What is the significance of the contract? That's what I was going to ask you. So it's it's one of many contracts. I mean, this is a significantly large company. Uh, unfortunately, they're they're not letting us uh, mention their name. That's sometimes the case. Um, but um, it's a significantly large company in Central Europe. Uh, they have thousands of miles of uh, gas lines. And then, of course, the application. What do you monitor? What What do you need a smart system for uh, when you do CAS? So, uh, CAS is monitored for different things. So, first, they need uh, a security to protect the system. They have those gas lines running, and uh, it's so easy to to uh, damage it, to make it explode if you if you you're not monitoring it. So, security is is critical. They need to know that their systems are safe. Second, they have uh, uh, they need to know that the gas is flowing. Uh, so there's um, gauges that measure uh, the flow of gas, its pressure, the temperature, uh, and it has to be measured along that line to, to know that everything is safe and everything is happening as it should. Uh, there's uh, places where you have um, um, stations where you, where you split it or, or need to uh, shut it, or close it, move it, route it. You know, I'm not a gas expert, but uh, those stations are many. Think of electrical uh, grid when you have those very large high voltage uh, stations and then um, through thousands and thousands of miles of electrical lines, you will have those substations that reduce the voltage to a point that you can actually consume it. And those have machinery in them and they have to be protected. And, and almost always they're going to be in unmanned locations uh, far from from sight, you know, from from uh, being able to monitor them closely. So you need to be able to monitor. You need to be able to know what's going on, to control it, change things if you have to, um, and uh, protect it. So it's um, it's uh, it's that ability uh, to uh, do things on a ma- mass scale in a smart way that wasn't wasn't um, wasn't achievable. It's out of uh, out of reach for for most most applications in most locations. Uh, with the new technology, it's doable. Now the question is how to get how to connect them, and and uh, that is where we come into play. Thank you. And would you elaborate for our listeners on how Actelis's hybrid fiber copper networking solution works? Some of the yes. enabling technologies. Yes, of course. So. Um, so Actelis started um, it, its uh, its um, activity within the, the telecom space. With telecom providers, I'd say almost um, uh, I don't know uh, hundreds. Let's say hundreds of telecom providers were using our gear. Uh, where we developed a technology that can um, can provide uh, uh, fiber grade connectivity, you know, high quality, high speed, long reach. Um, uh, cyber safe, uh, connectivity, uh, to locations, uh, where fiber is not available. 
that's how we worked in the telecom space. So uh, people want to deploy fiber. It's considered a great medium, which we, of course, agree. Um, the thing is, there are so many locations that um, fiber is not there. It's just very expensive to, to get it there. Uh, if you're looking at uh, trenching uh, a mile of fiber, that would cost you between tens of thousands of dollars if it's an open field or very easy to, to run over existing, let's say, conduits, um, to hundreds of thousands or possibly millions of dollars per mile. If it's a dense city, for example, if I don't know uh, where you're located, but let's say you're in New York and you need to cut through the city a mile. Well, good luck with it. <laughs> That's very, very difficult, extremely costly. Uh, and and so where fiber is uh, available and relatively easy to deploy, that's great. Uh, but with those many, many locations where fiber is not available, we came up with a technology that takes whatever is there. And there's always something. Telephone lines, uh, coax uh, cables, connecting cameras. With military, we even use barbed wire. <laughs> wow. And by just by installing our devices on the two ends of, of a link like that, of, of a wire, uh, we are able to implement uh, our technology, um, uh, signal processing uh, package technology that takes it to fiber performance. So, and that is happening immediately. Like, you turn it on and you're done. Uh, without the need to uh, call in uh, civil works, uh, get the permit uh, to, to do things, get a uh, uh, approvals to, to stop traffic, uh, for months on end, whatever you have to do. So, um, this is the technology we brought to bear, uh, from the telecom space into the smart, uh, infrastructure or, or critical infrastructure. And now we're seeing it come to play with all those uh, billions and billions of locations where, uh, fiber is not there. However, uh, there's always uh, something. For example, all the traffic lights you, you, you've gone through so many years, they don't have fiber for the most part. They did not have it in the past, but they still work somehow. So they work through that line that is connected to them and turns the lights, you know, moves them from green to red to, to, to uh, whatever. Um, and we're able to take that, that line and make it uh, fiber grade or fiber speed. Uh, such that you can start hanging uh, smart cameras off of it and, and other types of equipment, uh, Wi-Fi, 5G, whatever, whatever you need to have uh, as a service for the city, is all running through that line and, and running from one junction to another uh, as uh, as needed uh, for miles and miles. We can do up to 10 gigabit per second speeds, which is, uh, um, I'd say, a respectable speed even for fiber. And then, uh, from a distance, um, standpoint, we can do up to 100 kilometers, which we've done. And all that is cyber safe, immediately deployable and saves tons of money because most of the money goes not so much into the adding the camera. Camera is a thousand bucks if it's a very expensive camera, but the connectivity to it will be, you know, uh, enormously expensive and, and time, time consuming. So when we talk about hybrid systems, they're basically systems that, uh, uh, provide uh, uh, switching, routing, all those networking needs. However, they don't have to necessarily be connected to fiber. They can use whatever is available. If it's fiber, great. If it's copper, great. If it's coax, we do that as well. Uh, some of our um, examples, some of our customers, um, some of our customers uh, and, and projects have uh, different mixes of, uh, of fiber versus copper. 
for example, uh, one of the biggest uh, projects we have in Europe uh, for roads has 70% of infrastructure running over fiber, which we will, of course, support. And then 30%, they have hard-to-reach locations with no fiber and very difficult uh, uh, to get there. We solve that with our copper products. Um, one of the cities here in the Bay Area, I, I'm, I'm located in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the cities here, uh, which we were selected uh, for, um, has 85% of their junctions, one of the major cities, on copper, and only 15% over fiber. And, and we can, of course, can do both as well. So that's the hybrid concept, and it um, saves our customers a lot of money and a lot of time uh, to get their project uh, implemented. Um, in fact, uh, one of our messages is focused more on getting things done. You know, if you have the money, if you have the time, it's still going to be uh, uh, painstaking. Think of people on the street that you had to cut open their road uh, just to uh, trace the connectivity, and they have to wait months and months until the work is done. Uh, and, and, of course, the alternative is nothing needs to be done. <laughs> like two boxes to turn it off. So enhance our, our benefit and enhance our ability to expand our market. Thank you. And you mentioned that your solutions are cyber safe. Would you tell us about the encryption protocols and anti-jamming technology that you yes. incorporate into your networks? Yes. So um, uh, fundamentally, uh, we're making use of the fact that um, uh, those wires, the copper wires in the ground, uh, are not run one strand at a time. Uh, one strand uh, of uh, one piece of wire running uh, miles, nobody does that. It's a cable, and that cable has multiple wires in it. Think of it as, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, typically 25 to 100 uh, lines, copper lines running in that, that particular, uh, we call it a binder. And, uh, and then we make use of that, that fact. We don't take one of them, we take multiple. Uh, could be two, could be four, could be eight, could be 16. Um, uh, wires and we take our, the information that's coming in. We, uh, pre-code it, some kind of an encryption. Uh, and then we take the data and we chop it into little bits and pieces and then pseudo randomly run it through multiple wires. So think of a blender. You chop, first you have a chopper, then you have a blender and then all that flows through the wires. And, uh, at the remote, uh, side, it's reconstructed. Now, if you're tar- trying to tap into this uh, in the middle, there's really no no way people can in- understand, can put it together, you know, can put Humpty Dumpty back together and, and make it into something that makes sense. It's it's uh, it's practically impossible. Uh, additionally, uh, for additional security, we've uh, we are encrypting everything 256 bits, so it's a it's a pretty uh, hefty encryption, uh, and that applies to both our fiber and our copper uh, technologies. Um, and, um, uh, that is the data, that is the encryption of the data, uh, itself. Now, beyond that, there's management systems. So think of a city where you have, or, or a large campus, you have, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of those devices deployed, and you need to, um, make sure they work properly. Uh, configuration is an important thing. If, if, uh, people are familiar with, um, the, not very nice experience of uh, configuring their router at home, their Wi-Fi router. 
If you ever try that, that's uh, that's a pretty nasty experience. Now, here we're talking about thousands of those that need to interact and be, be configured in a way that is related to one another. So traffic goes from one of them to the other and then and then uh, flows on. Uh, all that has to be configured at the same time. And uh, it's not really humanly possible to do manually. So there's a system that is controlling everything that is uh, uh, automatic. Uh, it's called the management system. It provides alerts for things that happen. It provides the ability to control and, and configure. It provides um, a level of uh, security against uh, hacking. So uh, there's blacklisting, whitelisting of, of addresses. So if our, there are bad actors in the network, they're being blocked. And that system itself is also encrypted to make sure it's not being hacked. And the protocols between the system and the devices are also encrypted. Um, and recently, uh, we have also um, made public the fact that we've... Um, We've been uh, certified by a third party um, uh, uh, with um, a standard called FIPS, F-I-P-S, F-I-P-S, uh, which, um, which basically is uh, about encrypting the uh, operating system within the devices themselves. So even the code is encrypted uh, to be cyber safe and all that per DOD standards. So, uh, uh, we want to be deployed, and we are deployed with Navy, with Air Force, with uh, with the FAA in, in multiple airports in the U.S. Um, and and all those uh, very sensitive applications, we have to be uh, as uh, robust as possible. And, and this is why we 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 talked about our when we talk about our message is rapid deployment, cyber safe, and only then we save cost, we save time and money. That that's the most important part. Thank you. We we've seen that. Defense agencies depend more and more on commercial communications technologies. Right. Yes. Is that um, a trend? I don't know if it's. Um, we we sell military grade uh, equipment and communication uh, to all the commercial sectors too. <laughs> so so <laughs> it's it's almost the opposite. So uh, the equipment is robust environmentally, so it can withstand temperatures and humidity and all those. You know, uh, environmental hazards. At the same time, um, military level uh, cyber safety as well. And then uh, we do not feel that our other customers, the commercial, if you want, uh, the cities, the rail systems, uh, they're, they're, the criticality of the applications is so important. Uh, you know, the minimum is that the traffic across the entire city is not going to work. Or rail systems are going to start falling off their rails. That that's not something you want to even think of. So we're selling, I would say, very close to military grade equipment to all our customers. And um, so we've almost seen the opposite direction. Uh, so that, that's our experience. It's really interesting. I could go on asking you questions, but I'll just wrap it up with one more open-ended one. Is there anything else you really think our subscribers should know? Well, uh, if, if I, if I could uh, send out a message, I would say, um, uh, whoever has, has access to those applications is enjoying a better quality of life, better service in, in almost every aspect. And, um, people should know that it's possible, that it's a viable solution, and they should not expect, uh, they should not agree to have, uh, years and years of wait, uh, from their municipalities or their service providers uh to get that um to get that uh uh quality of life to them. They can demand it today and then 
it should be done very quickly and very cost effectively with our solution. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Tuvia Barlev, CEO of Octelis, for joining us. This has been the Dish Podcast by Connectivity Business News. Thank you, Madeline.